Hi, welcome every morning, buddy. Good morning. I'm Danielle Lozon. Sorry about that. I needed to start over for the recording. I had the wrong microphone recording. I'm doing a Q&A session on, uh, well, specifically what we do in our processes for Onyx Path Publishing. And I have a couple of questions already in the Q&A channel. Uh, but if you have questions specifically, please put them in the Q&A uh, channel and not in the stage, even though I know you can talk in the stage because I can't see them very well. I can see the chat. Oh no, I can see the chat just well, but I don't want to have to go back and forth between chat. So yeah, I can see you. Yes. <laughs> I see Eddie. Uh, so there are a couple of things I'm going to go over first, just as a general part of the process. And so it may answer some of your questions uh, before before you ask them. But if I say anything and it sparks a question, please drop them in the Q&A section and I will try to answer them. That's what this whole thing is about. Uh, so a little bit about me. Um, I am an in-house developer with Onyx Path and I have been an in-house developer for about a year now. I oversee the Exalted line for third edition and Exalted Essence. And I also am working on some other NDA-covered development processes that I'm not allowed to talk about, except for I can talk about At The Gates uh, a little bit. I would rather you not ask me specific questions about Exalted or other game lines that I'm working on, but if it relates to processes somehow, I'll allow it. Um, that's not a, hey, everybody try to figure out how you can work your lore question into a process question. Uh, but it is a, if you have a specific process question about a specific game line or something along those lines, I will answer them. So one of the things that uh, I think we do at Onyx Path that you're not going to see pretty much with any other company is that we give process updates. And one of the process updates that we give is on the Monday meeting blog. I'm assuming that if you're in this audience or you're listening to this, you're familiar with the Monday meeting blog, with our blog in general. Um, but that's where we keep updates for everything that's going on in our processes. And we have a couple of breakdowns of our processes that at different stages might not be super apparent to the listeners or the readers about what they are. So I'm going to explain what our different processes are at each of the stages that you will see in uh, in like our, our release roundup or uh, our Monday meeting or whatever else. Uh, so, okay, why is there, all of my processes are gone. Why are all of my processes gone? Oh, that's why. Okay. So we'll start with, uh, you will first see a uh, first draft. First draft is actually a stage that happens a, a few stages after a couple of other things. Um, we first do pitches. Pitches are a really short blurb, maybe a page long that explains what it is the book is going to be and if it is an internal book so anything that we own such as trinity continuum scion they came from um, earthbane any of those things uh, 
Pugmire, uh, which we don't own, Eddie does, but it goes through the same process. This will be a pitch of the book that we would like to see. It's going to say how many words it's going to be. It's going to say what uh, what the main kind of through line for the book is and what kinds of things are going to show up in the book. But it, like I said, it's only going to be about a page, maybe two pages long. It's not going to be really detailed. This isn't like an outline. It's not like anything else. It's really just trying to give the viewer an idea of what the book is about. And this pitch then goes through an approval process. And the approval process is usually a little bit of back and forth. Hey, you said that you want to include this. Is that something you actually want to include? Maybe you want to explore a little more here. Maybe you want to leave that out for another book. Uh, maybe we don't feel like covering that in this book. That that makes the book less focused, et cetera, et cetera. Once the pitch has been approved, it then goes into an outline phase. And an outline phase is where we break down what the book is going to look like. This is what we're going to give to authors. This is the skeleton of the book. And so the outline phase is where we really get to dive into putting the pieces of the book together. I'm sorry, you're going to have to excuse me if I sound a little congested because I am. I'm nothing wrong. I just wake up congested sometimes and it is early in the morning for me. So that said, um, the outline phase again goes through an approval process and any of these things that we do approvals for in-house, if it is a paradox owned property, so a, a, a 20th anniversary book or an exalted book, these go to a paradox to paradox to approve. Um, I, as the in-house developer for exalted will do a general pass on any of these things for approval and then pass them on to paradox to approve. Um, so the approval process for the licensed games that we do take a little longer than in-house games, which makes sense because our license holder needs to have a chance to approve or disapprove anything that we are going to be making for them. And so that can sometimes extend the process a little. Once an outline is approved, then we go into the production of the book. The developer will hire authors, they will send that outline to the authors, they will give those authors a due date, and first drafts will start. That's when you'll start seeing things show up in our release round, uh, not release roundup, but our production roundup and our Monday meeting blog is first drafts. First drafts usually take about a month, a month two months, depending on how big or scary the book is. Um, and then I'm pretty sure you're all pretty familiar with this process. It goes to first drafts, it goes back to the developer, the developer does a red line pass, that goes back to the authors, the authors do a second draft, that comes back to the developer, the developer does a development pass, then it goes to approvals again. This is hopefully when it goes to this, after this development pass and it goes to approvals again, this is a completed book. This is as best as a book as this developer uh, can make. This is what you're going to see when a book goes to a crowdfunding campaign. It's not been edited. It, it has been in a sense, um, sometimes rough drafts are a little first, uh, sorry, are a little rough. 
Um, that's not a dig on any of the authors. That's simply, I care more about in first drafts, your concepts and what you're, what you're trying to say than how well your grammar is written. Um, that's a second draft issue. Uh, so there has been some editing that's happened on the developer side, but it has not had a copy editing pass, but from a professional editor. There is something that uh, we go through in approvals where um, we don't look at editing. Sometimes the approvers will do a little editing, especially in-house. If we notice something, we'll leave a comment like, hey, here, you missed a comma, or this word is spelled funky. Um, but we're also not doing copy editing. We are looking for content, uh, mechanics, things like that. Um, the line developers will look over a, a book that has gone to approval and then also the IP owner. So the IP owner is, you know, Paradox or it's Eddie or it's Rich. Uh, Rich reads all of our books. Um, I don't know how the man has time to do that, but he does. Uh, and he leaves comments and if anything needs to change or sections need to be worked up, then it goes back to the developer, developer does all that, and then it goes off to editing. Now, editing is kind of this situation where if a book is going to a crowdfunder, we prefer it not to go to editing before it goes to crowdfunder. And I know this may be a source of frustration for a lot of our crowdfunders, um, participants, because when we do the errata phase, you're seeing misspelled words, misplaced commas, maybe even like a, a sentence that didn't quite get finished or a run-on sentence, or you might be seeing a lot of grammatical mistakes because this hasn't been edited yet. The reason that we do this is because we want your feedback on the state of the material in the book. We don't actually want your feedback on things like typos, because if, if you find something dramatically broken or wrong or uh, game-breaking, which there shouldn't be, but that doesn't mean that we haven't run into this in the past, we want to be able to rewrite that. And we don't want to introduce new copy editing errors if we have to rewrite, I don't know, an entire crafting system based on feedback from a Kickstarter. So we want to save editing until after all of those what could possibly be big rewrites happen. Also something like the They Came From anthology that we just crowdfunded earlier this year. That has chapters missing. We did a whole crowdfunder where the, the people who backed the project got to decide what's going into that book. And by doing that, we left chapters out of the book and now those chapters are being written. So if that book had gone to editing, it would have to go back to editing anyway when those new sections were written. So we like to prefer to keep it unedited before it goes to crowdfunder, uh, not to give you all aneurysms, but instead to ensure that the book is as complete as possible when it goes to editing. After it goes to copy editing, it comes back to the developer once more. The developer then goes through and accepts all of the edits, makes any suggested changes that the editor has suggested, and then it goes off to layout. And at layout stage, 
is not a stage where we can do big rewrites. It is not a stage where we can introduce a bunch of material. It is beyond that at that point. So the book needs to be as well put together as possible when it goes to layout. Layout stage is kind of a, a black hole for a lot of people. The way that this works is a book goes to, to the layout section and we have this on the, we have this separated now into kind of an art notes prep section and a layout uh, section. And this is in our world kind of the same thing but visually different. So the, the art notes section is where Mike will look at a book, how many words are in each chapter, and determine an art buy for that book. And the art buy is how many pieces of art do we need? We need chapter, we need full images for every chapter. We need half images to go in those chapters. We need a cover image and all of that needs notes to give to the artists to make that art. So Mike will go through and Mike will give the developer a number of pieces of art that he needs. The developer will write art notes for those things. So this is the art notes prep section. Once a book is ready for layout, uh, all the art and all the text has come in. So the art director has sent all the art notes to artist, approved all the art, it comes in, and then we do layout. Now, you'll notice that when we send books to, uh, in the layout phase to uh, crowdfunders that there might be art pieces missing. Artists like all of us sometimes miss deadlines, uh, sometimes need extra time, sometimes need to rework a piece. Sometimes we don't have all the art when we send things to backers. And we do that just because we want to give you a preview of the book in layout, but we don't want to make you wait for any of the slow fires that we have to put out um, throughout the process. <clears throat> so that's just us saying like, hey, we, we want you to be able to see the book. There may be a couple of art pieces missing um, for whatever reason. That's not because we haven't ordered those art pieces. That's not because the art was bad or anything like that. It's just part of the process. Sometimes things take longer because just that's how it works. So once it is done with layout, uh, we do an errata phase. And again, we do a lot of errata phases. This is something you don't see from most book publishers. We like to show you the book as it's being made because we want feedback. We want people to notice, you know, those weird mechanical things that don't really work together because they were, they were playing the game before the book came out and they noticed that these things don't work together. Um, so we like to do this errata phase as kind of the last little step of the book. And this is the places where if you catch a typo or a small number difference or a small thing, we can fix those in the text and it may change where text lies on a page and it may change what page a concept shows up on. So you'll also notice that our page XXs haven't been filled out at this stage and that is specifically because your 
feedback and errata may change where things are. When we input page XXs, they don't move with the, uh, with the concept. So if uh, the concept of refurbishing a weapon starts on page 99, and I have to write some information before that, and now it moves to page 100, if I had referenced it at page 99, that doesn't automatically update. It's now on page 100. We have to go find that page 99 where I referenced it somewhere. I don't remember where that got referenced. And then I got to change it. So instead of having to go back and do all that stuff, we just save that to the very, very end. Um, and that also during indexing happens at the same time. And then after indexing, a book can be released. There's some, uh, there's some PDF magic that I have no idea about that happens to get a book ready for release on our platforms, such as a PDF release um, for Drive-Thru RPG and also for sending it off to the printer. I, I, I don't know anything about that layout magic. I unfortunately can't answer any of those questions if you have them. All right. Uh, so that's all the processes. So now I have questions. I'm going to start with the questions that were submitted earlier uh, before this started. And we're going to, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to dig in. Oh man. And if I mispronounce your discord name, I am so sorry. Aramithius has asked, I'm curious about the pitch process for licensed properties. Does OPP pitch a Paradox, et cetera, product for a book they want to make? Are there open commissions for books Paradox wants published that OPP submits proposals for, or is there something else? Is there a separate process for non-core books uh, to do with those lines? So when I was talking about the pitch process, we usually pitch books to the IP holder. The IP holder, in the case of Paradox, almost never asks for a book or commissions a book. We will come up with a book idea, pitch it to them, they will either approve it or not approve it. And if they approve it, then we will make that book. So we come up with the ideas and they are entirely in charge of letting us know whether or not we can make the books that we want to make. That's true for core books. That's true for supplements. That's true for everything owned by that IP holder. Now, when it comes to the IP holders, such as Eddie, who owns Pugmire, Eddie may say, I would like to make a cat book and then we'll start making a cat book uh, or ask one of our developers to pitch a cat book to him. Eddie may, uh, Rich may decide, I would like to see X era in Trinity Continuum and he will ask one of the developers to write a pitch for that era. So for our partners slash internal processes, we will commit commission in the sense of ask a developer to pitch something to us. Um, and we also will accept pitches for specific books. Um, now, if we are asking a specific book to be pitched to us, that book is probably going to get made. If somebody is just pitching an idea at us, that book may not get made just because it's too close to another book we already have in, 
in process or it's not what we want to do right now or for a myriad other reasons it might not get accepted so that's how pitching works has opp ever considered using ai to assist with art direction specifically for creating mock-ups for an artist to work with we would prefer not to use ai art in anything that we do we have asked our developers to not use AI art as references for our artists. We, until AI art is no longer stealing art from legitimate artists as a way to make a conglomerate piece of art, we don't want to have anything to do with it. Do I personally think there might be a future where AI art is being used in a way uh, that is not stealing from artists maybe probably um is, are we there right now no um until we are at a point where ai art is no longer scraping from the internet and pulling from literally anyone we don't even want to use it as a reference so that's the answer to that orange bacon one has asked me, what is the point of no return for the development process? If someone comes up with a new idea or something to change that everyone loves, how far along would it be unable to be implemented? Are there smaller things able to be included later? Or is there enough leeway in the process that things that y'all really want to be included can be even if the book is almost done? In this case, uh, the point of no return is really the errata process. The, the book is in layout and in the errata process, we have not done page XXs and we can add or remove or change a concept that is a couple of paragraphs. We're not adding pages of text. That is probably only ever going to happen at the approvals stage. Or maybe if there is something wildly wrong during the the crowdfunder like feedback stage once it hits layout the changes that we're going to make are minimal there is nothing hopefully there is nothing that is wildly exciting that can't just be put in a new book that needs to go in this core book or this supplement that can't just be added to an upcoming supplement uh, to cover as a as a major concept if we accidentally leave out a major concept say a book doesn't have a storytelling chapter that is rarely going to happen past the approval stage that's kind of the point of the approval stage anything beyond that um, oh we would love to see this we would like to see this uh, we can just throw those in a supplement honestly uh, there's, there's rarely anything that is going to make or break a game that is large enough to not be implemented during er errata phases, uh, that we can't just put in a supplement that was not caught during an approval phase. So yes, we can include small things pretty much all the way up until the book gets page XXs. Um, but if there is a big concept, that's probably not going into a book. And if a backer or someone who is doing errata on the book sees 
um, sees an opportunity for something interesting. Oh, you know, I would really love to know more about this group of weapons. That may be fantastic, and we may love to be able to accommodate that, but not in this book. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but small things, yes, we can change all the way up to page XX's. Larger things, probably not going to change after the approval stage or the crowdfunder stage in specific circumstances. Uh, we also have, uh, Madova has asked, why art studios over individual artists? That's an interesting question because we don't choose art studios over individual artists. We employ both art studios and individual artists and we don't pick one over the other. Um, we pick art studios when we have a large section of art that needs to be completed in a specific style um, together. So if we have, you know, 20 art pieces that should all look alike in style, we may send it to an art studio because they can accomplish that in a faster turnaround time than an individual artist could. That's it. That's the answer. It's, it's, there's not, we're not, it's just who can, uh, who can do the work we need and do the turnaround we need. We will commission out uh, bigger, you know, we may give all the character art, uh, those little silhouettes that you see in books, we'll give them all to an individual artist. That way they all look the same. We love this individual artist's art style, so we've given them to them. We usually ask artists to do packs of art. So artists will do four, five, six different pieces um, because we want, the, we want all those pieces to be in that, that artist's style. And all of those art pieces will come back in a similar style. That's what we want. Uh, we almost never ask for an, a single artist to do just one piece unless it's like the cover of a book. Otherwise, we're, we're sending out art packs. Uh, so art studios can do larger art packs. Um, but again, we're not choosing them over individual artists. We are choosing them alongside individual artists. So... Human Error has asked, what's the work division like? Do you expect certain freelancers to just work on certain parts of a book, i.e. background details, NPCs, rules, etc., or is there some flexibility? Um, if you take a look at our website at what our uh, requested information looks like for a submission, so a writer's submission to our to write for us, we ask for about 500 words of setting information and about 500 words of mechanics. We wanna see that you can do both and we want our freelancers to do both uh, or to be able to do both. Now, when we break down a book for writing, we will often give an author the thing that they're most excited about writing. So if somebody is really interested in writing all of the charms for a exalted book. Uh, well, one, there's no way one person can write all of the charms for an exalted book because there are just too many charms in any one exalted book. But if somebody is interested in writing charms, we'll give them charms to write. And they'll probably not also be writing a setting piece. They might also be writing a setting piece. They might have some setting stuff and some charms, or they might have nothing but charms. It's really just kind of 
what they're interested in and what we are interested in having them write that coalesces into, and this is your assignment. It also depends on how many words that they can write. Some authors are overloaded at the moment. They really want to help out on this book. We've asked them to, but they can't write more than 5,000 words. Okay, we would like them to write 5,000 words of charms. We cannot accommodate them on any other section of the book because that would require giving them more word count. They can't do that. Um, maybe they're capable of writing 20,000 words on the book. Okay, great. Well, let's give you 10,000 words of charms and 10,000 words on great forks. So it really just depends on the author, the freelancer, and, and the needs of the book. Uh, but we do expect authors to be able to work on all parts of a book. Um, we don't believe in, oh, that person isn't a mechanics guy. Don't ever ask them to do mechanics. Um, you know, some people have preferences. I don't really like working on mechanics. I don't really like working on fiction. Please don't ever ask me to write opening fiction. Um, only ask me to write setting material. There, there's definitely preferences at play. But for the most part, we want people to be comfortable with writing pretty much anything. All right, uh, moving on to more questions. Are there any thoughts of putting the layout templates for third-party creators onto Google Drive or Docs? Um, currently, it seems the templates use InDesign and Microsoft Word, but with the cost of those applications, it might be good to lower the bar of entry of, for new contributors. So here, okay. Here's a strange thing that I have learned about Google Drive and Google Docs specifically. Uh, you can do some really cool layout stuff in Google Docs, um, but it is not as robust as Microsoft Word. And it does not play well with Microsoft Word. And it likes to strip templates and designs out of itself. So can we put those into Google Docs? Maybe I'm not sure is the answer. Um, will we? I mean, we can look into it and see, but Google Docs has a, a problem where it looks like it works functionally just as well as Microsoft Word, but it doesn't actually. Um, it lacks a lot of the functionality that Microsoft Word has, um, and it can be a bit of a pain. Um, and so, yes, I recognize that InDesign and Microsoft Word uh, cost money. Um, but I will say that if you and five other creators would all like to chip in and get a Microsoft Word account, you can share your Microsoft Word with five, uh, four other people. And they can, and each of those people can have that Microsoft Word installed on up to five different devices. So that's kind of like 25 devices per Microsoft Word account. Um, I'm just saying. And it's 100 bucks a year to do it that way. So if five people pay 20 bucks a year, you, you can maybe make that more affordable. Um, just, just throwing that out there. So another question from Pukagar, as a developer, how do you decide which parts of a setting get explored next? Does discussion in the community inform which pitches you prioritize, or do you have an overall vision that guides your decisions? So this is interesting because 
not all of our developers and not all of our lines have a, a robust community engagement. Um, Exalted, I know the developers engage with the community quite a bit. Um, I know for Scion, engaging in the community can sometimes be an exercise in futility. Is there a, a way that we decide what pitches to prioritize, what parts of the setting that we are going to get explored? Yes, and it's developer preference. Um, when we're pitching books, we usually kind of have an idea of the kinds of things we want to see in supplements as a, um, as a, as a company. Uh, we want them to be generally useful for both players and game runners. And so we want material to cover information that both those types of people are going to be interested in. But as far as what setting elements to explore, we're going to explore parts of the setting that are interesting to the developer um, and interesting to the authors. So... Do the community inform that? Maybe. Maybe some developers feel like they are as excited about a uh, part of the setting as the community is. The community's clamoring for it. All right, let's explore it in the next book. The developer may be like, the community is clamoring for this thing, but literally none of us are interested in it. I'm sorry, community. We may not explore that. I know that sounds kind of crappy, but it's, it's really what the developers and the company as a whole have kind of our special interest in. That isn't to say that we don't ever listen to what the community wants, because we absolutely do. Uh, your feedback is very important to us, and lots of the feedback that, say, for example, lots of the feedback that I've gotten about the StoryPath system informed how we develop StoryPath Ultra. So it's not that we ignore the community. It's just that it doesn't always help us prioritize what we're going to do next. Asmodee says, <laughs> oh, I was going to ask how Rich has time to concentrate and read everything that comes out of OPP. I don't know. The man is made out of magic dust that was created before my time. Corbin asks, which game lines would you say are currently active? Oh man, this is a question. I would say that all of our game lines in the Trinity Continuum are active. All of our games for Scion are active. All of our games for Exalted are active. All of our They Came From games are active. All of our W20 games are active. We are no longer allowed to make 5th edition uh, Vampire the Masquerade or Werewolf games, um, but those games are active. They're just not us. Um, we are no longer uh, allowed, I guess, but we haven't had any pitches approved for Chronicles of Darkness games in a while. Um, those games can be made on the uh oh my god i have no idea what my dog is destroying what are you destroying where did you even get that cd that thing is from the 90s come here hold on r.i.p green day all right uh, <laughs> i was answering what game lines are currently active yeah uh, our earthbane game lines are currently active even though we haven't released any books for them uh, Pugmire is currently active. I'm not sure that we're, uh, 
sorry, uh, Legend Lore is currently active. Scarlands is currently active. I'm not sure that we're going to make any more games for Cavaliers of Mars. I mean, this is a weird currently active. I'm assuming you mean what are we still making games for or uh, supplements for because all of the games are active as long as people are playing them. Um, so that's how I'm answering this question. But yeah, so I don't think we're going to make any more Cavaliers of Mars supplements. And beyond that, I now can't remember if there are any other game lines that we make. So I hope that answered that question. <laughs> Crash asks, what are you looking for when somebody comes to you with a game they want to sell you or develop with you? So if you have a game idea that is not one of our in-house games that you want to bring to Onyx Path to publish or sell to us, we're looking for, honestly, this is a rich question that I am going to try to answer, but also a little defer to Rich. I know what I would be looking for, and I think it is similar for Rich, but we're looking for a game that is not in direct competition with any of the games we already make. And we are looking for a game that we feel has um, areas to explore in the future. So we want a game that is compelling. So I'm, I'm pretty sure Rich wants it to compel him. He wants something uh, that makes him say, oh, you know, that, that like, oh, this I would like to play this game. This sounds interesting. I would like to know more. I could see there's an audience for this. There are a bunch of people who are would be curious to play this game. So is there an audience? It's not in direct competition with anything we are already making. And, and by direct competition, I mean, if I can ask the question of, why do you love Green Day so much? Stop it. If I can ask the question of how is this not just exalted, then then your pitch did not sell me well enough to tell me that this is a unique game that is not just exalted. If if I can say, well, how is this not just Pugmire but for rabbits? Like then clearly the pitch wasn't detailed enough or did not sell me enough on how it is different enough from one of our games, if that makes any sense. Uh, Corbin has asked, how do you properly apply clown makeup for the right level of creepy, but still identifiable as a clown? My answer to this very seriously is do the eyes. If you have like creepy red eyes with like drippies down the, the eyes that, that like, and then like white face I, that is identifiable as a clown, but still creepy. All right. Uh, how do you just, Corbin also asks, how do you decide what small segment of a book to give a brand new contributor? So this is a good question. We look at people's submissions to decide what we think that they would be good at or where they kind of shine. But again, I like to, and I, most developers do, like to ask a person, what are you excited about? Because people are going to write what they're excited about far better than they write the thing that we want them to write. So if I really want you on, 
you know, the political advancement of Ubiwaji nation and you hate polit- politics, then you're not going to write a good section about that political advancement. But if you're really interested in merfolk and you want to write the entire civilization of the uh, underwater merfolk, then I want you to write that because you're going to write that in a stunning way. And we kind of, especially for new freelancers, we kind of want them to feel comfortable with the material that they're going to write to give them as, as the best chance as possible to turn something in that's great. Red flags for a new contributor. Honestly, communication uh, is is both a red flag and a green flag. If you're good at communicating, um, I don't. If you're if you're going to be late, even if you're new, if you're communicating with me, that's what I care about. If you're uh, if you're having issues and you bring them to me and you have questions, you're communicating with me. I don't care that you were confused. I don't care that you didn't understand what I asked for. I don't care that you didn't have time to read two, 20 years worth of lore. I care that you communicated with me. And if you don't communicate with me, if you don't talk to me, that is, uh, that is a red flag for me. Um, not, literally nothing else you can do will turn me off faster than to just stop communication. Uh, and that's a me thing. I think some of the other developers might have other answers to that. Uh, but communication is key as, as a, as a freelancer and a working partner in any way. I'm not answering your question, Ray. Uh, Nexus Gameheart asks, do you know of any process towards adding your in-house license game lines towards virtual tabletop services, bar roll 20, like alchemy, fantasy grounds, foundry, VTT, etc." Uh, I don't know the answer to that. And so I cannot answer that. That is a not me thing. So I'm unfortunately going to have to defer that question. Sorry. Okay. Pukagar has asked, aside from any formal cultural consulting sensitivity reading, how do you manage research of real world histories, cultures, etc. for a book? What are the expectations on freelancers for this step? So this is a great question for Scion and a little bit of Exalted, uh, just the tiniest bit of Exalted, uh, but definitely a great question for Scion. So a couple of things. We expect freelancers, especially for Scion, to do some research. Now we expect everybody for every game to do a little bit of research. If you're writing about trebuchets, we'd want you to at least understand how a trebuchet works. Please Google trebuchets. Um, if you're writing about field formations for war, please maybe look some stuff up about that. But if you're looking up real world histories to write about that real world history in a fantastical way, such as for Scion, then we would like you to do some real research. We would like you to maybe check out a book from your local library. We would like you to maybe talk to people who belong to that culture. We would like you to read a history book. We recognize that that is more research than the normal amount of research that uh, we would expect from a author. And so we tend to compensate a little better on Scion projects because we know that they're going to take a little more work. Um, so it really depends on the book, the game line, and, um, and what we need for it. I don't need to do a whole lot of research to write a mechanic, a new mechanical system. 
but if I'm writing about the uh, Greek pantheon, then I do need to under you know know what the Greek pantheon's about and maybe read a book about it. So um, that's that's kind of how that works situationally. Uh, Vicious asks, I would love to know if OPP would ever show interest in a Kindred of the East 20th book. I assume that's a Paradox product. I love the game, but I have Estied, Kindred of the East, and can admit the system needs fixing. A 20th edition would make me giddy. That is entirely up to Paradox. So I personally am not interested in seeing a 20th anniversary of Kindred of the East, but that's a, a extremely big bold that is a danielle only personal opinion and has nothing to do with whether or not onyx path would ever pitch such a thing but the approval for doing something like that would have to come from paradox uh we cannot just uh we could not just make it it looks like it looks like ian has already answered Sari's question i will read it out loud and let you know the answer sometimes you give the option to buy already published books uh, alongside Kickstarters, like buying Core Exalted as part of the Exalted Essence Kickstarter. Is there any way to send those materials before the Kickstarter ends so that backers don't need to wait for months? And the answer is that that's not feasible. If you say you pledged $50 to get the com complete collection of Trinity Continuum books and we send you the books and then you cancel your pledge before the end of the Kickstarter, well, we just gave you a ton of free books for free. Um, so definitely cannot send you a thing before the end of the Kickstarter. Uh, the only thing we give before the end of the Kickstarter, uh, is the manuscript. Um, so you could pledge for the Kickstarter at $5, get access to the manuscript, cancel your pledge before the end of the, the Kickstarter and ha still have access to the manuscript. We're totally okay with that. We don't give out PDFs, we don't give out books, we don't give out anything physical before the Kickstarter ends because you could cancel your pledge. Siri asks, could you speak a bit about art direction? I felt like there was a lot of variance in both the Essence and Adversaries. So the uh, art direction, I don't know a whole lot about art direction, uh, so I'm not going to make anything up, but uh, we take art packs and give them to arts uh artists arts man um we give them to artists you may see different artists working on different books and that could be uh where you're seeing the variances because we have multiple artists working on a single book and we want to see different art styles within a book because what one person's cup of tea for an art style is may not be the same as another person's cup of tea for what an art style is. And therefore the artists give different, what you might find different quality are actually just really different styles and preferences for the way the art looks. Um, so that's the best I can answer for that. If you want to know more about the decisions made of which artists or why or anything like that, I can't answer that. That's an art director question, um, and I'm not inside Mike or Maria's mind. So, uh, Corbin asks, how is it determined that a project is worthy of more advertising or whether a project's success can be achieved without much marketing? Uh, we try to market our books as much as possible. Uh, 
no, regardless of what it is. But if it is going to a crowdfunder or it is a core book, it is probably going to get more marketing than if it is a supplement. Specifically because core books sell better than supplements no matter how much marketing you do. So we're going to put especially money towards marketing the thing that we know historically is going to sell better. Um, Siri, I'm ignoring your question about the scroll of swallowed swallow darkness. Uh, Corbin asks, how do you gauge whether the target audience is aware that your project is coming out? For instance, I might find Trinity Continuum Anima really cool, but I won't realize it's released till months after the fact. Um, you know, we try very hard to announce releases in places where our audiences hang out. So we try to announce them here on our Twitter, on our Tumblr, on our Facebook. Um, we, we try very hard to announce things, but a lot of places that aren't straight up Discord um, will will hide that kind of information from viewers um, to where you won't see it for months. So honestly, um, we try to advertise our announcements as much as possible and for as long as possible. Um, but we also release a thing every week. So you will see a lot of, hey, this is released, hey, this is released, hey, this is released. So if you've decided to, I don't know, mute the announcements channel in this Discord, you are going to be missing out on some of our releases. Uh, so maybe don't do that. I don't know. Um, or mute it and check it every now and then um, is the best I can say. Uh, Pukagar asks, passing this question along for another, is the Q&A being recorded? Yes, it is being recorded. I don't think it will be transcribed. It's going to go up as a podcast, as one of our Pathcast episodes. Um, M-M-O-V-R-X-Y-Z <laughs> has asked, I was curious if it is possible to pitch ideas to OPP even when you aren't hired as a writer. How does this process work? Do you know uh, where you can find here? Let me just, I, I don't know. Ian is still in here. Maybe Ian, you can pop a link for our uh, pitch process uh, or writer submission process. Essentially on the same page as our writer submission process. Um, there is a, like, if you are pitching a book to us, part of the process. And... Uh, Essentially, the way it works is you send an email to the same submissions email that you would a writing sample. You fill out an NDA uh, that we form that is available on the website. You submit the pitch um, as described on the website. So we don't want your whole book. We don't. We don't want that. We're not going to read your your 100 page book like nobody's going to do that we're going to deny it outright um if you have an idea we want a couple of pages of what your idea is um how you know if if i were writing a pitch which i have done uh, i pitched at the gates so i this is from experience i would write how many words you expect or the final book to be 
Um, a book like Exalted Essence was close to 200,000 words. Um, I think it was like 180, uh, 180,000 words. A book like the Trinity Continuum Core Rulebook was more like 150,000 words. Core rulebooks are going to be around 150,000 words to 200,000 words. Um, supplements. So if you're, you know, I want to see this cool supplement for Scion, um, they're going to be more like 60 to 100,000 words, just to give you a frame of reference. So tell us how big you think the book is going to be. Uh, tell us in it, two paragraphs the 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 pitch for what the book is. I I think you should also include uh, what do you if especially if it's a core book idea. What do you do in this game? What is the what is, what is it that people are going to be doing? Uh, what are the cool concepts of the game? How is it unique? And also maybe highlight what mechanics it would use. Do you think this should have its own mechanical process? Do you think that this should use StoryPath Ultra? Do you think it should use something else? Um, and, uh, and include all of that in your pitch. It should not be more than two pages, maybe three pages at most. If you find yourself going over that, I would start cutting material. Um, send that in. And usually we will, um, if we, if we don't accept it, I don't know, that's an Eddie question. If we say anything about specific pitch ideas, if we're not going to accept it, if we send anything, normally, if we don't accept a, a writer submission, we don't say anything because we get a lot of writer submissions. Um, but for something like a book, we, uh, I don't know if we say like, hey, we're not interested at this time kind of thing. Um, if we are interested, we will contact you back and work with you to figure out, do you want to sell this? Do you want to try to uh, work with us as a partner, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Siri has asked, how many new writers or artists do you typically take on in a given project? Are there certain types of projects for which you are less inclined to test new talent? Okay, so I like to take one to two new authors per project. Uh, any more than that, and it becomes extremely difficult for me as a developer because I like to uh, work closely with new authors, give them a lot of support, um, and often I have to do a, a little more work on redlining and things like that to give these people strong direction and um, and make sure that they are cr creating the thing that that we want to create um, writing to spec for a company is very different from writing for yourself and when you're brand new it is sometimes hard to grasp that so we, uh, I like to work closely with new authors. I can only give that kind of attention to one or two people at a time. Um, as for artists, that's again, a question I can't answer because I don't know. Um, that is a, maybe if Mike is feeling generous, um, he may answer. Lesquita has asked, are the trebuchet rules still in once in future? One, I don't know. And two, that's not a process question. Stop that. Uh, Alan G has asked, how does OPP handle consistency within a game line? 
For example, if a writer writes some material that is contradictory to material previously published for that game line, even if it's an obscure reference in the lore. This is why we have line developers. So line developers will go through an approval process and ensure that uh, if, if the developer specifically didn't catch the, the mistake or the contradictory material, the line developer will. Um, we're all human. We're all fallible. Sometimes the line developer doesn't catch it. Um, you know, that can happen, but we have the developer is generally pretty versed in whatever material they're developing. And then, uh, the line developer will handle consistency issues. Okay. And Eddie has answered that question. So I don't, I'm not seeing, oh, so, uh, does OPP pitch video game ideas to Paradox? No, we don't. We are a game book publishing company. Uh, we do game books. Um, I'm going to let you all know. I see Pukagar is writing. We are at our hour. I have a meeting with Eddie after this. Uh, so I am going to close this out. If you have any more questions, uh, that are really pressing, you can still continue to put them in here and I may answer them. Um, Rich is on his fabled yearly family vacation. I say fabled because I have never experienced it really, but he is on family vacation next week. So I am writing the Monday meeting blog. Uh, I may answer some of your questions in the Monday meeting blog uh, if, you, if you throw them in here. Uh, so with that, um, I am going to say thanks. Uh, if you would like to ask me questions outside of the Q and a, I hang out on the discord here. Uh, I also sometimes hang out in the exalted discord. I also sometimes hang out, uh, in other discords. Also, if you were wondering what my dog was doing, he was stealing. I still have CDs. Yes. Those little compact discs. I have a ton of them on a CD rack and he was stealing them and trying to chew up the jewel cases. Um, he stole a Green Day album and then another Green Day album. Um, apparently he loves Green Day. So uh, anyway, thank you all. And uh, I, I think I need to sign this out like it was a podcast. So uh, many worlds, one path.